0: you're listening to live from city lights a podcast of readings and archives from city lights books and publishers to learn more visit www.citylights.com
1: hope this finds all of you safe and well in these very strange and difficult times i am peter Maravellus, and on behalf of city lights booksellers I'd like to welcome you to City Lights Live, the virtual reading series that continues in the footsteps of our in-store calendar during the shelter-in-place. Uh, we continue to celebrate the works of authors we know and love with readings, discussions, and forums throughout the fall season. Uh, we are happy to announce that City Lights has reopened its doors to the public, Following CDC and San Francisco Health Department guidelines, we aim to make your visit to City Lights as safe as possible. Please do come and visit us if you're in the area. You'll be able to once again browse our stacks. We are open seven days a week from 12 noon to 8 p.m. We've worked very, very hard to transform the store for the age of COVID. Our entrance is actually now on the Broadway side of the building. It's actually at 271 Columbus. The original entrance is an exit only. Uh, We encourage everyone, please do wear a facial covering while visiting, uh, trying to make efforts to keep things safe for everyone. Uh, As many of you know, City Lights is a publishing house as well as a bookstore. We continue to publish in the grand tradition of Lawrence Ferlinghetti's seminal Pocket Poets series. Uh, We continue to produce on a seasonal basis new books of poetry, fiction literature and translation and nonfiction, informed by a very progressive political outlook i am happy to say um, in fact if you check out our instagram page you will see some banners that we just put up so check out our new banners uh, we have new titles that we've recently released uh, from pamela sneed uh former poet lawyer to the united states juan Felipe herrera uh for those of you that enjoy poetry we just published two new books in the spotlight series uh, one for Uchi Naduka and one for Sophia Dahlin. Uh, we've got also a marathon coming up this weekend, uh, celebrating the 20th issue of that series uh, with events both on Saturday and Sunday. So to learn more about the books that we publish as well as our upcoming events, uh, please visit us on our website, www.citylights.com. You can also keep up on our activities on social media. We're all over the place, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. Uh, And also, you can subscribe to our newsletter that's on the kind of homepage of our website and get kind of like weekly updates on everything that's going on. So tonight, uh, we are psyched to have Third Man back in the house. We are celebrating three awesome new titles from one of the most really exciting indie publishers out there. Uh, Based in Nashville, Third Man is the brainchild of musician Jack White and is comprised of two divisions, Third Man Records and Third Man Books. Uh, They both produce work that concerns itself with American roots traditions, both in audio formats and in print. Although not exclusively bound to the North American canon, they focus on American writers and musicians producing exciting and very challenging work. I might add uh, Third Man also has an audio technology division that builds these insane effects pedals. Um, Some of the uh, City Lights staff actually had a chance over the period of the lockdown to play around with the infamous plasma pedal. That's this cross between a Tesla coil and kind of the filthiest fuzz box you've ever heard. So some really fun, really creative stuff coming out of Third Man, both in weird technology and I mean, really awesome books. So we've had the great pleasure of working with them over the years. And it's really, really awesome to have them back in our orbit. I'm gonna actually let a couple more people in because I noticed they're waiting outside. And I don't have an assistant with me, so make sure we can get him in here. Cool. All right. So before we get started, I would like to invite Chet Weiss, who's one of the key figures and backbone of Third Man Books, to join us. Hey, Chet, welcome back, albeit in our disembodied form. Thanks for being <laughs> here.
2: <laughs> Excited to be here. I always, uh, always appreciate uh, City Lights uh, supporting us. And as everyone knows out there, I don't know if there's any place as important and legendary as the bookstore. Speaking of bookstores, as City Lights. Yeah. Uh, Been there several times myself. We were talking about earlier. I I was there as a fan seeing poetry readings and now working with you guys and uh, very excited about tonight.
1: So what's been going on at third man? I mean, every time I look at the website, we keep seeing really, really awesome books. I mean, it appears you've managed to survive the plague. Um, <laughs> um, and this latest list of books looks really fantastic. I mean, can you tell us what you look for when you're thinking about what you
2: publish? Uh, that's a good question. I, uh, I wish I could give you a succinct uh, answer, but uh... Much like the record label, uh, Third Man Books, we we publish across the genres, uh, everything from speculative fiction to children's books, to poetry, to art books, to music books. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with what what we like. And I know all publishers say that many times, but we truly do only publish what we like. And I think that that's part of our advantage uh, or i don't know if it's an advantage but it's definitely a part of our ethos and i think it's a positive ethos because people who are into third man and these books have come to trust us uh just like they do on the record side of the thing so we have a chance to take some chances and to put out these books and usually if we like them there's pretty good chance the people who follow third man uh like them also and then it just goes from there. You know, it starts to expand from there. There's nothing like getting a good book out to people who enjoy it and then, uh, you know, word of mouth spreads after that. And, and you're right. This, this, these last books we put out, are uh, they're so amazing. And, and everyone is really in store for something uh, great tonight. There's going to be a lot of variety, too. I think it's very much representative of what we're trying to do at Third Man Books.
1: And that's what I really love about what you do is the fact that it's it's very diverse uh, and just coming from different places and, uh, and always exciting. It's done really, really well for us. So we're grateful for that. Um, so I'd like to encourage everybody actually check out the Third Man website um, and, you know, keep an eye on what they're doing, because, you know, you guys also do a lot of limited edition stuff that you know sometimes never makes it to bookstores and i just seen some really cool merch and you know just like limited edition booklets chapbooks stuff like that
2: yeah like like what you're talking about with the guitar pedals the you know the plasma pedal is insane you you see the electricity that you're playing with the little bolt inside of it and it makes uh, these insane sounds you can make music with uh well we we have that same fun with uh, Third Man books too, like you, you said, putting together chat books and, and doing all kinds of different design elements with it. And uh, we make a lot of noise that way too, that you can play music with uh, off the page and in the air for sure.
1: Well, very, very cool stuff. Um, before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone we've po- we're going to post links in the chat function, with which you'll be able to buy the books tonight. Um, and also you may make comments. We're gonna have a and A at the end. So if you have questions for the authors, we won't have time for a lot, but we'll probably sneak in a couple. So please use that function. You can uh, scroll over the dashboard at the bottom of your screen. So Chet, thank you so much. Um, let's get this started. Robert Gordon is up first. Uh, Robert is a writer and filmmaker, a Grammy winner and an Emmy winner. He's been nominated for six Grammys. Uh, His win was for the liner notes for uh, the big star box set. uh, Keep an eye on the sky. Uh, His Emmy was for uh, Best of Enemies, the 2015 documentary about Gore Vidal and William Buckley uh, and the demise of civil discourse in America. Uh, I think we need to be very, very clear about one thing. He is not the rockabilly singer. Uh, for those of you who are fans of like new wave punk in the late 70s and early 80s there was a robert gordon who was uh, kicking around the new york scene it is not him uh, he is a really awesome writer makes his home in memphis he's been a native of memphis and, and interested in and kind of been charting the city's authentic weirdness for many many moons the book we're celebrating tonight it came from memphis which was originally released in 1995 was the culmination of his cultural explorations over the years. So we're thrilled that that book could be re-released and kudos to Third Man for recognizing a good thing when they see it. Please give a warm welcome now to Robert Gordon.
0: Thank you, thank you. Greetings to all from Memphis. Very cool to uh, see all these people uh, lining up uh, or coming into the room and all that stuff. Um, I thought I would start this night with a... Reading from the book, um, little thing that kind of set the tone. The first guy speaking will be Lee Baker, who was a guitarist in a great Memphis band called Mud Boy and the Neutrons. And he says, the first night I ever heard, I want to hold your hand. I heard it on the radio coming home from a Blazers gig at Ole Miss. I said, God damn, that's it. You watch. I'd been hearing about it and I said, that's the future knocking at our door. We're going to have to change. And we did horn bands bit the dust and everybody had horns. The Beatles were replacing the marquees rhythm and blues. And all that changed. So while the Beatles caught a new excitement to pop music, some people saw them as a distraction. Dan Penn, an Alabama songwriter who would come to Memphis in 1966 and produce the box tops, sums up the feelings of those who entered the Memphis coffeehouse era with their mind more on black music than British white. He says, Tommy Rowe was working at Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals and he'd been going to England. He came in one night and he had this test pressing in his hand and he said, boys, I've got something right here that's going to change the world. And we said, put it on, put it on. He puts it on and here it comes. I want to hold your hand. What'd y'all think? Everybody in that room cared for nothing but R&B and nobody said much. And he said, what do you think? And I said, man, if that's going to change the world, I don't know whether I want to live in it or not. So that's a reading from my new edition. Thank you. Third man books to, it came from Memphis. I'm thrilled that my first baby is getting a new coat of paint. This edition is updated and revised, but it's still the same book in essence that it was over the years. I've gotten an interest in um, historical architectural preservation and and I like to use an analogy from that for, the, for this uh, reprint, which is that I kept the footprint of the book the same, but I just let in a little more light. Um, this edition is a whole new layout. It's got 80 new photos. There's three new chapters. There's a lot of information updated, including a buying guide. The other big change is that right after publication in 1995, Well, right after publication, a bunch of people said to me, I should be in your book. And, and, you know, you get that kind of stuff, but I got one letter in the mail and it really hung with me. And, uh, the writer, uh, Linda Crossway for Terry said to me, in your book, you talk about the husband and wife puppet team and I'm the wife. And in the book, you talk about Dewey Phillips and my, and she says, and my first husband's in the book. And in the book, you talk about Dewey Phillips, this great disc jockey, and and my second husband's work on Dewey Phillips. But you don't, you know, but I'm not in your book. And she cited Marion Keisker, who was the woman who worked for Sam Phillips at Sun Records and was the one who first took note of Elvis Presley and encouraged Sam to pursue uh, to pursue Elvis. And she cited Abigail Adams, uh, John Adams' wife, who uh, when John was writing the Constitution, Abigail said, Re- remember the ladies. And, and, and so that letter really hung with me. Um, and it took 25 years for the opportunity for change to come. But with the third man edition, I called up Linda. She was the first call I made, I said, I didn't know. I said, ma'am, I've kept your letter for 25 years and I'm ready to, you know, and I got the opportunity to update the book. I'd like you to be my first interview. And so I wound up interviewing about um, probably about 15 or 20 people for the new edition, about 10 or 12 of them were um, women who were on the outskirts of the book. Uh, who I brought in to the book. You know, I, I had featured, um, there's a couple a, a few very strong women in the book from the get-go, but, uh, but I was able to bring that out a lot more in this new edition. Um, one of the funny stories I got was from the wife of Charlie Freeman. He's this guitarist who died way too young, who's heard on some Aretha Franklin and, I don't know, various recordings. And... Charlie was a wild man, and I interviewed his, his widow, Carol. And uh, one of the funny things she told me was that when uh, Charlie went to play the Memphis Country Blues Festival in 1967, I think it was, um, <laughs> she knew he was going to be taking acid all day long. So she made him a steak and eggs breakfast to give him a good base to send him out. And, and I've got a quick... Uh, Linda's story that's also in the book that uh, I want to share with you. Uh, Linda had finished her job in Chicago while Jimmy, her husband, drove the, uh, okay, so they'd been hired, let let me set it up. They'd been hired by the electric circus in Greenwich Village, the, you know, the hippie club that was about to come on to the scene. They'd been hired as, The hippie puppet show and um and so jimmy had gone out first with the set and now we resume the reading linda had finished her job in chicago while driving while jimmy drove the set east and she joined him when the nightclub was about to open i don't know what i did with all the furniture and stuff she says because i didn't bring it with me but i brought my records to new york She says, that summer's theme song was Light My Fire by the Doors. Every head shop had it blasting from their doorways. Linda worked the electric circus's front box office, learning tarot cards between customers, soon interpreting them in a booth inside. When the monkeys tried to get in for free, she made them pay, like everyone else. Good on Linda for that. While I was prepping this, this edition for the new publication. Um, I think I finally understood the book over the years. I've had, uh, numerous people tell me that this book changed their lives, which touches me deeply and makes me feel great, but I never really understood it because I was just writing about the world that was around me that I grew up in. Um, and I didn't see the big deal, but when I was reading it to prep for this edition, I got it, (laughs) you know? I felt what they felt, which was a uh, liberation. Memphis isn't about getting it exactly right. Memphis is about capturing the moments. It's about the mistakes. It's about how the flaw in the grain enhances the beauty all around it. Um, This book is not about conforming to the rules of society and uh but r- rather it's about taking chances in musical terms i'd say it's about getting a hit by sounding not like everybody else but by sounding like nobody else mm-hmm. lots of people know elvis and jerry lee and all of them but this book is not about them i've written about them elsewhere this book is about the underground people like furry lewis and Alex Chilton, and Jim Dickinson, and Tav Falco. And another thing I'm really proud of about this book is that it's about much more than music. Um, There's deep information in the book about the photographer William Eggleston, about the matinee cowboy Lash LaRue, about the Memphis Owsley acid connection, uh, about great Pioneering disc jockeys like Dewey Phillips and Nat D. Williams. There's a big section on a biker named Campbell Kensinger. And there's a little bit about a, uh, more than a, a little bit, there's a chapter about a, a wrestler named Sputnik Monroe. And I'm going to uh, leave you with uh, a reading about him. Sputnik is most interesting because like Lash LaRue, he was the bad guy, good guy. Lash uh, LaRue, you know, was different from the other cowboys. He didn't sing, but what made him different was he didn't wear a white hat and ride a white horse. He rode a black hat and he ca- and he carried a whip. He he wore a white hat and he carried a black hat and he carried a whip. And uh, Sputnik um, was very popular among the African American audience in M- Memphis and. When he would win, he would you know uh, bow to to the 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 top uh rafters in the auditorium because um that's where the African Americans were segregated, and gradually he became uh the hero of a lot of young hipsters so uh, I want to read you a little story about him, and again, it comes from. The new edition of it came from members. All right, so here's a quick Sputnik story before I get out of here. He said, he told me, it was, I had so much fun interviewing him. He told me whoever, this is a little bit about his background. When he was, before he started to wrestle, he traveled in the uh, traveling fairs. He says, whoever wants to do their thing, however they want to do it. I had shovel fights, rope fights, pickaxe handle fights wrestled boxed one hand tied down whatever their specialty was one time I had a guy turn his back to me and hook me by the head and I realized he'd seen something on tv and he wanted to flip me over his back so I let him flying mare me I got up and I staggered around and I let him do it to me again the people cheered and he did it again and he did it again and he did it again, and then he puked and f- fell over. I never let anybody get out of there a, a winner. Thank you from Robert Gordon in Memphis.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Robert, that was fantastic. So, hey folks, buy that book. I mean, there's some amazing, amazing stories in there and uh, you, you'll absolutely love it. Um, so our next speaker tonight is Cherie Renee Thomas. Uh, really honored to have her with us. She is a writer and storyteller. We are celebrating tonight the release of her new collection, Nine Bar Blues. Her stories traverse a very rich multitude of sometimes really haunted terrains. They travel from West Africa and the Middle East to the kind of mysterious backroads of the Mississippi Delta. Um, there are ancestral references, sonic rituals, Uh, really and a kind of a reveling in the in the in the in the mysterious nature of the everyday. Uh, Nine Bar Blues is also concerned with music and the people who make and appreciate it. That is to say, the body's music, the music of the spirit and really what moves the soul. So uh, Sheree Renee Thomas's voice is one of hope. We welcome her to City Lights.
3: Right. Hi, thank you. It's an honor. And hello, it's so great to see people from all over the world, that's amazing. <laughs> um, I'm Sheree, I'm greeting you from Memphis, Tennessee. A few blocks from the Mississippi River, the mighty Mississippi. I'm gonna flash this gorgeous book that Third Man made for me. It's not for Blues, yeah. Um, the cover has all these great illustrations that Caitlin Parker did. Um, each one is a visual clue to a story, short story. So there's 16 short stories, um, all, Um, science fiction, fantasy, magical realism, or the marvelous real, as we like to call it, Uh, genre uh, crossing stories, a little horror because I like the scary stuff. And in fact, um, I just want to say I have a Sputnik reference (laughs) in one of the stories. So I just really loved hearing that story. We like our wrestling in Memphis for sure. (laughs) So I'm going to read a little something from a new story called Love Hangover. So are you ready? Are you ready to give me some energy? I need some energy, all right, all right, all right. Love hangover. That night disco records weren't the only things that burned. I lost someone irreplaceable, a creature that lived off blood and music, the life force of a people, but a creature that was also my friend. Delilah brings it, I mean, she brings it 100%, y'all. Delilah Devine, sang, girl, sang. Delilah teased death the way she teased her fans. Her voice an odd constellation of sound. She had tasted death and knew she would always live in one form or the next, like the singer resurrected in the record's groove. Every night was a different club, one after the other, 16 on a hi-hat, four on the floor, two and four on the backbeat. That was the sound that announced her arrival and all of disco. Like Delilah Devine's voice, the music was sweet water finding its own way home. It was going to get through, just a matter of time. The challenge was finding a way to listen and not get drenched. With Delilah, you drowned. The first night I met Delilah, she danced on the speaker box. Bianca Jagger rode by on a white horse, her black locks shining ebony waves, but all eyes returned to Delilah. To say she was a vision is to insult the very nature of sight itself. Beauty is internal and eternal, and Lila's beauty came through in her songs. Motown funk, soft Billy soul, and salsa. It wasn't what she said. Not the lyrics nor the music with its lush orchestral arrangements. Her soaring vocals were reverb. It was the story that was beneath her words and music. The message she carried within. And the message it was about freedom. That was the sound and the sound was the movement. We danced to be free. Candy Staten sang from her heart and that's why we loved her songs too. I had no idea how true her lyrics would be. Self-preservation is what's going on today. Delilah started off singing jazz, top 40 hits. When DJs arrived in clubs carrying crates between sets, she and the other vocalists sang for their own survival. And sing, she did. I love the way I moved when her music was on, the way we dove and split from our old selves into something sensual and new, the way the dance floor took us in, wet and holy in its mouth. We were all glitter and steam, blurred blazing bodies spinning in the music's light. If I turned away from the hypnotic rhythm and the beats, from Delilah's seductive song and dance, I could have saved myself and a whole lot of dead people, a lot of trouble. Heartache was Delilah's last name. Nothing else was fitting. Young hearts just run free. Delilah only had time for the young, and none of us, not a single soul, could run away or leave her embrace. She was like Diana's song. If there's a cure for this, I don't want it. I don't want it. I thought about Delilah all the time, and she gave me and all her fans the sweetest hangover. When Delilah got into your bloodstream, she controlled lives, heartbeats. I practically lived in the clubs just to see her. Now the club's appeal was that the ultimate rocker rocker lifestyle was available to anyone who could manage to get in. When I first met Delilah, it seemed like she was always in the club, as if she emerged from beneath the parquet floors, fully formed dressed in slinky silk dresses that wrapped her curves in silver-tinged moonlight. Delilah, she was a vision. You couldn't turn away from her. And believe me, many tried only to find themselves in her throng. Music was her spell. DJs played with mine, stories told with songs seeped into your soul, walked through a door in the forest. No confidence at all. But in music, spirits take shape. I became who I wanted to be, what I needed. Dancing with Delilah Divine. <laughs> It was like that. 5 a.m. when the club was closed, most others would stumble their way home or fall into the faded booths of a diner. Delilah wouldn't want rest or breakfast. She wanted to be near water. She would sit next to the ferns and the bulrushes, said unlike the clubs, the green light formed a kind of wall of kindness around her. She would bend her ear to the waves that lapped up against the shore, whispering to voices I couldn't hear. I tried to reach her with a joke, some laughter, or a bit of gossip, anything that might hold her attention, pull her from the faces, the arms I could not see. But she was lost in the waters in search of depths where she could drown her weight of years. What she sought to drown was not a name, but her history. Sometimes she spoke as if she lived beyond her 20 odd years. Lila lived for the rust of songs, for the scars and the cutting parts of choruses, the hooks that dug in your soul and made you cry from recognition of deaths. She wanted to laugh with the joy of it and dance and dance until she could reach the gray vaults of sea. She said her sisters waited for her on the other side, but she couldn't swim her way back to them, said she was already drowned. Each night at the club, I watched her struggle to breathe. They played her songs before I knew they were her songs, string sections and synthesizers, syncopated bass lines and horns and that voice, that incredible voice. She danced as if the music was a stranger, as if the songs were notes that came out of another's throat. Where did you learn to sing like that, I asked. She looked at me with dead fish eyes that should have run me away, but I was already hers before the first time we even touched her dance from the throats of a thousand Thousand men and women, she said, but the children. She closed her eyes as if the memory pained her. Her voices are too sweet. I can't bear the taste of their songs. Now I thought she was high. I'd seen her with her blow and biscuits, poppers and whippets, whatever made the music and the lights, the dance and the temple last longer. What do songs taste like, Lila? Like ambergris and champagne. Like ambergris and champagne. She spun around, eyes staring straight up They've come back. What, I asked, she pointed. The disco ball was the largest in the studio. It reflected the jewel-toned beams of the strobe lights. We used to party with these in the 20s, she said. Back in Berlin. Berlin? Lila, you're only 20, right? How would you know how flappers parted back then? She stopped spitting and shrugged. (laughs) Hm, saw it in a movie. Saw it in a movie, she said. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Shari. God, oh, that was fabulous. <laughs> so next up is a special presentation by Alison Mozart. Uh, needs little introduction. Uh, Ms. Mozart, as many of you know, is an artist and a musician. She is best known for her work in her musical duo, The Kills, as well as fronting the Grammy-nominated rock and roll band, The Dead Weather. Uh, She's also a visual artist, working in paints, multimedia, and photography. Uh, She studied art for two years at the University of Florida, followed by the University of Honolulu, where she learned printmaking. Uh, She's had five major solo exhibitions in New York and Los Angeles, uh, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and Mexico City, and again in Los Angeles. So, uh, really very, very awesome to have her with us. Um, Karma is her first printed collection of paintings photographs, short stories, and poetry. Um, she's put together a really special presentation for us. So let's see if I can prepare it for us.
4: Hi, my name is Alice Mossart, and I'm excited to read to you today from my book, Karma. This is it, this is it. And um, the first piece I'd like to read to you is called, windows up. Boy always smoked with the windows up before giving it up. Always made it so it was a bubble. His world. That's our world. The world. A bubble full of smoke rushing down the highway like the highway was his and the engine he built and the oil he pulled from the earth himself. We were passengers in this, in it to win it, and this bubble paid for in cash, often bullish with his foot. Under that black alligator boot, suns rose and fell and lands flew by. And nothing was permanent because permanence wasn't important, nor was it fast enough. pink whip even the soul who parks that pink whip that pink whip at the YMCA parking even the soul who parks that pink whip at the YMCA YMCA even the soul who parks that pink whip at the YMCA parking lot has a YMCA membership YMCA 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 YMCA, Y-M-C-A. Y-M-C-A, Y-O-C-A, Y-M-C-A, has a YMCA membership, who works it, wants to feel the burn, wants a hot body, under that great suit, behind those dark sunglasses. Down here in Nashville, where the city slick of the North mixes with the sassy kink of the south, Like, slow spun cotton candies, both hard Soft, sweaty and sticky as he drives her home. L.A., I have mixed feelings about you. I love you. Love like the way someone falls for someone they've never met. Obsessed, pathetic, eager. Clueless, easy love. You amuse me and suntan me against my will through my windshield. I think about you a lot when I grew up. City of movies. You look like the movies. Your light is toxically cool. I've never been in the movies Maybe one day I'll be in the movies and we'll become close, kiss on camera close, and that kind of egotastic, dry, sarcastic, funny, not funny, brush fire kind of way. I hear so many people say they love LA. Is a really terrible way that I'm doing this. It's just I mean like that doesn't even oh my God. Louisiana Stown 2013. You are just so easy. If we had a kid it would never cry. Just wavy, just wavy. Hey, just wait it down, down, and down on Louisiana, baby, and I'll be there. Good and pickled liver, yet yeah, and I'll just live forever. I'll wait for you at a river in the red and Orange Casino. You know I don't gamble. I just like smoking in the air conditioning. And the 24-hour lights on me. Roadkill is like little Persian rugs, little bearskin throws, little swaths of natural fabric, little tears of mohair sweater, little samples of cotton polyester, little cuts of living room carpet, little trims of indoor/outdoor, little clown wigs on the ground, little peach fuzz on the chin, little slices of smoke-stained beard. Little threads of human weed, little mohawk on the freeway, little crew cuts on the right lane, little pigtails off the exit, little French braids at the stoplight. Dive, 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 Killer bucks spread. Turning the screw. This ghost you call me, the me oh my, the life you saw me speeding by, wrangled by cowboys, baited like fish, dripping like ice cream down somebody's wrist. This ghost you call me, the you know who, the night you caught me speeding through, without my decoys, wheels, and a ditch, naked and angry, dirty and pissed. This ghost you call me, doing what I do, the outlaws Harley, the other shoe, sure haunts you badly, wearing that perfume. You make it easy to fill the moon. This ghost you call me, knows your tune. Amplifies it. Feedback loop. Right back at you so flowers bloom and every violet hill breaks loose. I'll drive all night. I'll drive straight through. Anything to return the screw. Okay. Stop. wow (laughs)
1: that was amazing (laughs) let me actually post some links for the book because i don't think uh, i got a chance to do that before we put that up but uh for those of you who uh are interested i'm doing that right now we are also taking questions for the q a so um please post them through the chat function um that was really incredible. And what a range of stuff, too. Thank you. Thank you all for for this. Um, I'll let a few more people in. Let's see. So let's see if we have any questions. I'm going to unmute you all now. There we go. Cool. So let's see uh, what people have to say. What camera did Allison use for the video and readings?
4: (laughs) My phone. (laughs) phone.
1: (laughs) See if there's other stuff out there. So we're still waiting on, uh... oh, okay. Another one for Allison. What made you think of doing the record companion piece to the book?
4: Um, When I was writing the book and I was struggling with um, editing it myself and figuring out, you know, figuring out how to do that, never written a book before or anything. So I started to just read it out loud to myself in different voices and things. And I don't know, it's somehow like it helped me edit it. If things weren't coming out of my mouth in the right way, I would edit it until it sounded like I was talking. So I was using that as a tool, especially for the longer pieces. And I started having so much fun recording the pieces that um, then it just got really fun playing lots of different characters for all the things and different accents. I mean, I don't know what in the world. <laughs> you know, I just had a
1: lot of fun. It's <laughs> cool. So Cherie, a uh, question for you. What are some of your uh, literary influences? You mentioned magical realism, uh, any writers that uh, that influenced you?
3: Oh well, yeah, um, definitely uh, Ray Bradbury. Um, I really love his work. A lot of Gothic writers, uh, Gail Jones. Um, a lot of poets that I love. I love Jacqueline Johnson. Um, I'm, what else? Um, all kinds of science fiction. Octavia Butler. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah. We just love Octavia Butler. We had Butler, yeah. including lights. Mm-hmm. Once, and she was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I can see that in your work. I can definitely see that in your work. Let's see. Um, okay. Any more? Um uh, Allison I will buy 20 copies of your book if you'll stop smoking cigarettes. Okay. Um uh, da, 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 da. uh okay. Da, 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 da. Let's see if we get anything for Robert. Um something will come through the pike there. Um So, Ali asks, Allison, I'm currently in my first year of my MFA and wanted to ask what your experience of art school is like. How do you create when you're pressured by an institution?
4: I loved going to art school and I was sad because I was also on tour at the same time, so I eventually just couldn't go back. But I think my favorite thing about it was having big tables and space and lights and you know. I typically, if there was a project that I was asked to do and I didn't really like it, I would kind of start doing it. And then I would sort of start doing three totally different projects and end up turning those in instead. And it kind of was, you know, sort of how I would like react to something not interesting me so much, but I would I would kind of overwork and, um, and get there somewhere like around the back somehow. Um, so, I always think it's good to do whatever is inspiring you.
1: Cool. So, I have a question for Robert. Uh, what made you want to write about Memphis? Why this area of the US?
0: Uh, because, well, it's my home. I was born and raised here. I may not sound like it, but I was born and raised here. And uh, I realized coming up, I was seven when Dr. King was assassinated. You know, I was about probably 10 when I realized Rufus Thomas, the guy on the local TV commercials, was also a a famous, you know, R&B star. And I, I just began to be aware that in the microcosm of Memphis, the whole world, all the, the whole world was represented. I liked, uh, you know, the... I was able to explore Memphis. In Memphis, everything comes down to race. And, and so it was an opportunity to explore uh, the racial conflicts in microcosm and expand them out to bigger picture. You know, I, <laughs> I never had to leave home, because, well, I did. I mean, I moved away and came back, but I never had to because it was endlessly fascinating to me here. Cool.
1: Um, Do any of you know or remember Wild Bills?
0: Of course. (laughs) Wild Bills is a great Memphis nightclub, blues nightclub. It's actually like even (laughs) Wild Bills is the slightly diluted scene. Shuri, I don't know if you're familiar with that. I'd be curious to hear your opinion For me, I I came to Wild Bills because there was a cool scene in South Memphis at Green's Lounge, and then Green's burned, and the scene kind of moved to Wild Bills. That's how I got there. It's just, it's a small, you know, i say it's just a small joint on the side of the road with a red light bulb hanging from the ceiling and a band, you know, on the floor in front of you. It's a great classic juke joint. How about you, Cherie?
3: Yeah, Wild Bills is still rocking and rolling. It's where... We bring, uh, we welcome tourists. So it's where you can <laughs> <laughs> hang out and feel like you're near the natives without getting bitten. So <laughs> they won't, you know, break in your car while you party. So yeah, so it's, it's still rolling. <laughs> Come through and we'll take you to the real spots.
4: <laughs>
0: we'll feed you well too.
1: Sheree, <laughs> yeah. uh, I have a question for you. Um, have you considered writing a novel?
3: I have considered. <laughs> in, the, in Nine Bar Blues, I do have uh, two novelettes and not novel, a novella. So I'm, I'm, I'm tricking myself to that, to that limb. Uh, <laughs> you have to find characters that you love so much that you don't mind hanging out with them and listening to them for 300 pages. So I can do that for other people's characters easily, but for my own... Um, I, I tend to lose lose uh, interest with them after a while, and move on to the next short story. So I'm retraining my brain to think in longer limbs. Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. So uh, let's see more questions. Um, Allison, how was it for you to go back in time to write "Let's Start a Band"? That's my favorite from Karma.
4: Um. Well, it took it just took seconds. I mean, I just thought about the ages and those like strong feelings you have at all these ages and how I don't know, my own anyway. I can't say that they're anyone else's, but I just decided to write a poem about that and it kind of just fell out of the sky.
1: Cool. So another for Cherie. Have you worked with a musician to put your words to melodies because they're so beautiful?
3: Um not yet. There's um, one story in the um, collection called Stars Come Down, which actually came from um, my own version of a blues song. And so my friend Pam Morgan put it to music, but I'm not a musician, so I promptly forgot <laughs> how it's supposed to go. Um, so I always have to remind myself, but um, that would be a fun project. So any volunteers hit me up. <laughs>
1: I have a question for Robert. What is your favorite passage, story, or experience from the book?
0: Uh, I think it's a completely unfair question. Um, my my favorite passage begins on page one and ends on the last page. But, uh, you know, what I really liked was being able to shine a light in the shadowed area without spoiling what goes on in the shadows so you know um but let me try and give you a specific if I had to give you a, I don't know man I read <laughs> you a few pieces that I really liked you know I didn't want to repeat ones I'd read elsewhere in case people had been around so there's a lot of them <laughs> Infinite.
1: okay let's see what else we got here um for Allison, were you ever in an, uh, an episode of Parts Unknown?
4: Yeah. Go <laughs> <Short> dancing. <answer. laughs>
1: let's see. Um, let's see. OK, for Robert, I recently arrived in Memphis for college, and I went downtown for the first time last weekend. Maybe it's because I'm not from the US. Everything seemed like it's straight out of a museum. How do you keep cities like Memphis new and alive or do we just keep the old world quote unquote?
0: Well, wow. Okay, so it's funny because I remember walking around I remember walking around with a friend of mine from New York downtown and he goes, hey, where's all the people? And I remember standing with a friend of mine from Los Angeles downtown and we're on Mud Island, which is out in the Mississippi River and we're looking at the skyscrapers of downtown Memphis. And he goes, where's downtown? So, you know, I've heard it all about Memphis for a lot of people. Memphis is the big city, you know, for a lot of people, this is the, you know, you get to the three block depth of downtown Memphis and you've hit, you know, the big time. Uh, But yeah. How do you keep it alive? I think that, I mean, I think that that kind of historical preservation is exactly what you want, girl. If you if you want to go to Nashville and see what it looks like when they take down all the old stuff and put up new stuff and make it look like anywhere, that then then you know then that's what Nashville's for. In Memphis, it's about holding. I'm sorry, Allison. Uh, I'm, yes. Not personal. Not personal. <laughs> um, I think I think Memphis is about holding on to the uh things that gave the culture shape and letting things around there happen you know so like there's constant progressions and there's fights about progressions and there's fights about keeping old stuff um i think a city lives By, you know, what the what the people do. And um, I I think it's a real gem to be able to walk around in a place. I mean, you go down to South Maine, and you could shoot a Stacks movie there. It looks like 1968, you know, you could do it. Uh, And that's a beautiful thing, because you can't go to a lot of places and say that.
1: So we're almost out of time, but uh, before we come to a close, I'd just like to ask all of you, what are you all working on right now? What's coming up in the future? Begin with Sheree.
3: Um, I am working on a project that I shall remain nameless because I don't want to jinx it, but um, I'm I'm calling it a series of stories that are connected. <laughs> and then maybe it will work out and it'll be a novel, <laughs> yeah. But it's got music and horror in it and and um, crazy people. So I'm, in, I'm loving it already.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, we
1: are looking forward to that. And we'd love to have you back. It would be really great. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm.
0: you. Robert, how about you? Well, you know, it's always a you juggle. For me, the job is like, how many plates can you keep in the air and keep going at the same time? The thing I think is going to happen next is a documentary about the Newport Folk Festivals, 1963 to 1966. Um, And I think that I was working on a documentary about Jackie Shane, uh, and that, and then she died. And I turned that into a, you know, I said, I just want to write this piece and see where it goes. Because I didn't want to sell it on the front end. I didn't know what it was going to be. And it turned out to be three times as long as a feature magazine piece and half as short as a book. So that's like my next written thing. and I don't know what I'm going to do with it.
1: (laughs) Wow, right on. Sounds great. Allison, what's happening music-wise? What's happening with art? What's happening with written
4: word? All of it. Um, No, right now I'm working on a Kills record with Jamie. That's what we're doing. And I've been filming a lot, just filming and filming. And I don't know what in the world I'm going to do with it, but we'll figure it out. That's right a lot of just everything i like to do everything at the same
1: time so yeah fantastic well you created a really beautiful piece for us tonight thank you so much for taking the time and congratulations to all three of you just really really awesome books hey chet kind of want you to chime in here at the end some final yeah. words
2: uh well i just want to say thank you to robert gordon sheree renee thomas and allison mosshart for producing such beautiful things uh, if there's ever a time in our lives that we need beautiful things, it's right now, correct? And uh, I feel extremely lucky that uh, we are working with these people, um, these artists and musicians and filmmakers. and uh, uh, you know, I just want to tell everybody that all three of these folks are amazing, but uh, they are very amazing to hang out with. and uh, I think you could all see that tonight. So I you, encourage Peter. You. We really enjoyed hanging out with you, also.
1: <laughs> and it's always a blast. I have so much fun with you guys, and I want to encourage everybody. You know, City Lights ain't out of the woods as far as COVID goes. We are trying to survive. Uh, if you would like us to continue doing events like this, please, please, please check out the links that I'm posting as we speak. Uh, buy books. It helps us out. It helps out Third Man. And uh, it really keeps the literary life alive, not just in San Francisco, but across the country and the world. Because, hey, man, we got people from all over the world tonight. It is pretty amazing. I am really kind of floored by this. So thank you all for coming in and, and hanging out with us for this little time. And yeah, the virtual is really weird. but But I don't know, at the same time, it's like, you know, we wouldn't normally see each other. I mean, you know, here we are, we're like, across the world and you know we're in the same freaking room it's weird but but also really wonderful so on behalf of city lights please be safe please be well and keep on trucking keep making good work so long everybody
0: thank you city lights bye-bye thank you Thanks for listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast from City Lights bookstore and publishers. Our theme music was provided by Axolotl. All City Lights events are free. To see upcoming events at City Lights bookstore in San Francisco, check out www.citylights.com events.